Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford, the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, coming to you on this beautiful, wonderful day that God has given us to serve Him. And this is a particularly unique time frame for us because our church and uh, the Saints Network here in the States, as well as in other countries, have begun a seven-week progression of prayer, with each week being uh, devoted to a, um, a different factor in how we serve the Lord and how we function with Him. Of course, these seven weeks lead up to a, a great time of ministry in the first weekend in June in the city of Sao Paulo, Brazil. But all that being said, this week we are coming before the Lord, asking Him for His presence. And so, those of you who are part of our fellowship have already been informed. And if you've not been informed, that means you're not paying attention. We have preached about this. We have made notice about it. We've posted um, uh, a, 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 a listing of the seven weeks, what they entail. You know, there are Marco Polos going out. There are all kinds of other things. So you should be aware of this. Uh, I sound like a teacher that is talking to kids that don't do their homework. But one thing I found out about saints is that sometimes the cares of this world infringe upon things you care deeply about. And we have to keep our focus on what is very important in our partnership with God in the midst of whatever else may be going on in your life. We all have those, don't we? You know, this is a season where um, marriages are very much in play. Uh, and there are other things going on. Uh, there are challenges. I could just list them. If I don't list your problem, be happy. Maybe it'll be gone by the end of this, of this, of this session. But we have to keep our focus that no matter what we're dealing with in the natural the eternal business of partnering with God is what's of greatest priority. So, I hope my words are informing, but also perhaps cajoling you into what needs to be your priority. It's funny how life is. Circumstances can reach up and grab the headlines and grab you by the heartstrings and really wear you out. And in the scope of even weeks, the thing that took priority is no longer even a factor. But the things of the Lord are eternal. So let's be wise. This week, we're asking God for his presence. And tonight, being Wednesday evening, uh, our congregation here in Dallas on the 26th of April is meeting at prayer in our sanctuary at 6 p.m. <clears throat> and we're initiating this 
seven weeks of prayer. We would strongly encourage the members of our congregation to be here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because when we first began this walk almost 30 years ago, we had prayer meetings all the time, and we would we would try to establish patterns of prayer for people, and we didn't coerce individuals, but we had a lot of them. We had more services during the week than we have now. And But as our ministry agenda and our obligations have expanded and we're ministering many times a week online to various places around the world and across our nation, um, we have expected our people to become mighty men and women, mature ones. They have access to come and pray whenever you want, whatever time of day you want. You've, you've learned pneumatikos principles, but it's funny to me that, you know, let's see, we used to have prayer every day of the week and then Saturday prayer. We had prayer on Sunday a couple times. We had service Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. All of those things people were welcome to come to and people were faithful to it. Now we have the opportunity to come and pray at any time. We have Sunday morning, and that's it. We come for Saturday prayer. We have prayer every Saturday morning. But those, you, you make your own plans, which is what you do when you become mature. So I make no apologies for saying, okay, on this time, time we're going to meet to pray wow we've gone from what seven or eight times when you used to be here during the week to one and then god help us two <laughs> it's it's a matter of maturity you know it's it's like when you went to school when you were in grade school high school Every day you were at school, you had homework at night. You had extracurricular cur curricular activities, not to the degree that they have now. My goodness, I would have been totally out of the boat with my parents and their limited capacity to participate in things in one car. Uh, if If I had to rely on them to tote me around all the places that parents and grandparents take their kids and grandparents now. But when you become an adult, you take different responsibilities and you take responsibility for what has to be. And I think that 30 years ago, most of us were, were babies. Now you're not. And sometimes I think, man, people got a lot going on. We all do. But if you're initiating a seven-week prayer agenda for the nations, and you've got people in Western Europe, you've got people in Western Africa, you've got people throughout South America, you've got people in Mexico, those are the hardcore saints' army. <laughs> and we, we have to take seriously that we are convened before the throne of God, and this is something internationally that he's doing. 
what's at stake? Well, yeah, the ministry in Brazil, where they're within the year, we already, I don't know how many churches, how many constituents, how many pastors are involved in doing the things that God has called them to do, that we have a responsibility to teach and pattern and make disciples. But this is for the continent of South America, for these crucial times, we have a narrow window before night comes and no one can work. What does that do for you before the throne? How does this expand? You're faithful in this. What is God going to release to you next? I sound like I'm preaching here, aren't I? So let's initiate this seven weeks of prayer. And if you're here in Dallas, in the Metroplex area, come. If you... um, If you're part of our network, you're hearing this broadcast, and you feel like you want to join in prayer at this time, come. I can tell you one thing. I'm going to be teaching the Brazilian um, church, the First Fruits Church in Sao Paulo. That's going to go up throughout the the Facebook connects they have down there. In, In an hour, I'm doing this. And they're all going to be praying tonight. I can guarantee you, if if I mention you know we're 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 coming together in prayer they contact they ping us four or five times just to make sure they know exactly when and what's going on that's exciting so let's realize what is at stake here what god has given to us and your voice matters so the presence We've studied about the face of God, the presence of God throughout the scripture, the ways of God, what they indicate, how God does a thing, the seven spirits, the lamps of God, all of those, the eyes of God, they're all characterized in what would loosely be identified as his presence. Those are factors that go on whenever the presence or the Panim, the face of God, is is active. Those things are factors. And so, as I was praying about what God would have us to share today, he directed me to Genesis. And basically, the first issuance of when the presence of God was indicated in conjunction with man and woman. And granted, some of you are going to ping on that. You're going to see that God spoke about the face of the earth, the face of the earth, the face of the earth in creation in the chapters prior to this. That's great. That's just the circle And it also indicates perhaps how his ways were forming this unique creation that had been created wonderfully and then without form and void came and then the Spirit of the Lord recognized that it was time for what began with Adam and Eve. 
So don't get caught up in the weeds on the fact that, oh, you said this is the first issuance. It says it here, here, here. The first issuance of the presence of God dealing with an individual is here. And that's what's important for us today. And so it comes at a time in Genesis chapter 3 where we don't know how long in human time Adam and Eve were actually in the garden serving and uh, doing the things that they should do. I find it's interesting that of all the places God could put them, he puts them in a garden. You would think that there would be something perhaps more monumental that God would put them in. Maybe like a castle or one of those mansions where the streets of gold are which Christians love to sing about. Maybe not so much now, but they used to. Um, but he has them in a garden with trees. Hmm, where have we heard about that recently? And the whole, the whole issue of the enemy in the form of this snake, this serpent, subtle serpent, was about not only the trees, but about one tree in particular and about their relationship with God. Hmm. I think we should take special note of that. We make this about obedience and disobedience. We make this about so many things that are there and they have a, a measure of relative importance. But the essence of it is, is what was the setting? What was the discussion? What, what were the factors? And those are very clearly a garden trees, an enemy, one tree in particular that was verboten, and the relationship of God with these two people that he created. So, I see some patterns here that in regard to the presence that are very they're very important um, and we'll talk about them that this is the the onus of what we're discussing today since this is a week of presence um, the first thing that we want to see is that the serpent points out this tree of the knowledge of good and evil Tob and Ra and Eve's opinion is, we do not eat of it, neither do we cop. We don't touch it. Um, so, in other words, we don't partake of the fruit of this tree. And we don't lay the palm of our hand to initiate anything with this tree. Both of those things 
she ended up doing. So there, there's some biblical scholars that say, see, Eve wasn't testifying, she was composing. I, I don't believe that. I mean, I, I think I think that she was telling the serpent what basically they had learned in partnering with God. You obey, but the initiation of the palm of the hand is very important in the things we've studied with Scripture. So we don't partake of this thing because it's, it's off limits to us. Maybe God hadn't told enough is enough if he says no one of the things that used to irritate me i don't mind having discussions with kids but when you're beset by a bunch of whys and tell me why you know you sometimes you don't have time to to do any explaining um you just want obeying and um there is a time for explaining but not when it's in the crux of don't do this, and I mean don't do it now. And um, I think I think that God said don't eat of it. I don't I don't know obviously that He had explained to them the ramifications of the rebellion. I don't know. We weren't there. But had they known that. That would certainly have been a factor in the discussion here. You know, God is more interested in developing relationship with us first before he entrusts us with authority. And long before we were given assignments for spiritual warfare, God worked very openly and compellingly to develop our relationship with him and to put into activation ways from his word that we were to relate to him. And that's just the way God moves because relationship is everything. The journey is everything. You learn as you do. And so this was a business of we're not supposed to eat this thing and we're not supposed to lay the palm of our hand to it. Or I guess the sole of our foot, but I think if you... Unless you're climbing a tree, you don't really apply the sole of your foot, be that as it may. Now, what was this tree anyway? This is not the subject of the day. But from what we've been studying about how fruit is formed in trees in relationship to what we are in God, um, the fruit comes because a tree has received um, carbon dioxide and measures of impurity in the atmosphere. They receive it into through the leaves, and then that's turned into a measure of sugar, which then empowers the blossom and the fruit. It also empowers the expansion of the root system, and it empowers the growth of the tree itself. So somehow this fruit of Tob and Ra was um, used for a purpose that was unauthorized. 
um, God would have created tobe trees. When you have raw, which is evil or a perversion of what you've seen, that shows that the enemy was doing something different with the creation uh, that God made and, and God's ways. Was this tree there throughout the time when the battle, the war between God and the fallen ones occurred? I would imagine so. Did it did it live throughout the the darkness that was upon the face of the deep? Yeah, undoubtedly. Was it still there because what was done was eternal? Yeah, undoubtedly. And was it there as a sign which God would use? Maybe God had something in store for later on where just as he has us now as saints believing for his purpose, his tobe to be restored in places where wickedness or evil or disobedience or demonic strongholds have taken possession, it would make sense that that was the case. But we don't know. Obviously, that process had not been initiated yet. So, when the woman saw Ra, that the, this is Genesis 3, verse 6, that the tree was good for food, was tobe. There was tobe food on it, which is what she obviously was used to. And that <laughs> thunder, yes, Lord, I hear you. Um, <laughs> when the woman saw that this tree was had tobe in it, and it was pleasant. Do you hear that? Can you hear that? <laughs> it's thunder and lightning. It's great. Of course, I'm up here in a tower. <laughs> uh, around electrical equipment. <laughs> oh. oh, it's great. But it was gratifying to the IN. This was pleasant to the eyes. And remember what we studied about A-Y-I-N, that that was also a, a factor of the 70. It was a, a notation. This letter was indicated 70 numerically. So this was something that could be indicated as well as, I'm going to use what I've learned um, and in the, as the eyes of the Lord. A tree to be desired, this is to covet and to pursue, to make one wise. So she ate and Adam ate. Um, so you have Tobe there. You have a gratifying or an appeal to who you are and what your gifts are. Um, you recognize that this was a way to get something that was appealing to you. 
And then you just imbibe and you you devour and you you enjoy. That that's a fourfold measure. We're gonna be looking at several fourfold measures. But basically she was utilizing giftings that God had been developing. So um this is very interesting. Um Verse 7 then says, the eyes, the ayin of both of them were opened. So eyes blossomed. Opened can mean a, a flower blossoming, blossoming or something opening to receive. It doesn't just mean, oh, I can see now. Their eyes, they already could see. They already could see. But now they were flowering in some other way. And they had a knowing that they were naked. They had no, they had no measure of identity. Um, so they, they went to the fig tree, which remember what we studied about the fig tree in Scripture, how the Jewish people believed that it was a a point of wisdom. Uh, they would often sit under the fig tree like Nathaniel did to gain commune with God and to gain um, revelation or to, or to have meditation. It wasn't the only place they could be, but that's what they did. And they made aprons. They, they came away with some construction, some measure of covering. That's interesting too. And then you come... To verse 8. Uh, let's just read the verse. They heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Um, this is interesting because this is a progression of how they had learned to function with God. The first thing was they heard Shema. That we've studied about Shema, how it is, it is a point of hearing to obey, and God even Shamas. So it's a participation of an appeal for some measure of instruction or service or application. That's the way God initiates. They heard the voice of the Lord. They heard this voice of the Lord God. Here comes the heart of God, and he's got a plan. When is this happening? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. The second facet, walking in the garden. The voice walking in the garden. Now, often people get confused about this. How can the voice um, be walking? Well, if you if you study this, you see that a voice can also mean a directive. It can also mean a pursuit. It can also mean a mandate. It can be an agenda. It can mean lots of different things. You just pop it up and you can see. So they knew, they knew in verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God. They knew this agenda was for them and it was walking, it was approaching them. 
it it was appealing it was coming near and in the midst of this garden in the ruach of the day day can by virtue can mean hot so this was the initiation of the day it was the cool time in early in the morning at the beginning of the day but it was the ruach the ruach of what that segment of time was the beginning god always has a beginning now at the end that's another thing um you process you meditate on the lord i think that's what adam and eve were doing leading up to this beginning of the day they were processing what they had done wrongly and i think that's why adam was not with her initially when the serpent was talking because they were both busy doing things and they were separate but throughout the night throughout the darkness they recognized all these things that they did that were wrong so god comes at the beginning the spirit of the day the the beginning point of the the sequence so they shamad was the voice of the Lord as it walked in the garden in the beginning of the day and they hid from his presence. This is a good depiction of what we do or what we should. Let me say this. These factors are things that should be present if we are successfully and obediently partnering with the presence of God. You need to be willing to hear you need to know, to recognize that God who loves you is presenting his plan and that is moving. It's not waiting for you. It's moving. He like to move it, move it. Um, and then there is the beginning point where you're sent forward and you move then to fulfill what his ways are indicating, what his agenda is. This very much follows the pattern of voice, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes. Um, you, you hear the voice of the Lord. It, it's, an, it's an interactive, it's an exchange. The thunder is that you're mobilized. This is the pathway of God. You've been caught up. You're there in his presence. You're participating in the, the release of incense. You're participating in the release of the, the moisture of the former rain. You, you are there in, and God's about to begin. He's, a, he's anointing you as lightning to go forth, to, to accomplish something. And then when you're released to, to accomplish that task, the earthquake, you're hopefully fulfilling what his ways have indicated. But they hid from the presence. They hid. That's so interesting. A lot of people doing that. I see here with the, the progressive movement particularly, but it doesn't just have to be the progressives the enemy coming and saying, you know what? You're missing out on things, you know? God is holding back. It's restrictive. Religion, it's religion. It's restricting you. 
You're, you're oppressed. You need to be free to be who you are. And it's religion. It's church. It's the word of God that you've entrusted. It's white people. It's, it's people of other colors. They're all keeping you from being what you want. And then you begin to utilize your giftings to be gratified. And then you recognize that different things that you want to, you now want to be, if you participate in that fallen realm, you will have some good things, but you'll go after things that are your own wisdom. And you eat and you become what you eat. That's interesting to me. It's sad, but it's interesting. It doesn't just have to be the progressive. It can be the demonic. And it can be even someone that's gotten lazy in the things of the Lord. You, you begin to say, you know, I don't have to really do this. You know, I, I, you know, I, I see other things that I need to be doing. Maybe... Maybe I see that my eye in, my eyes are not being used properly. People don't, after all, people don't recognize how beautiful my eyes really are. And I think I'm going to go after some other thing that will help me to feel fulfilled or to, or to satiate my longing for respect. And So I'm just going to eat this. That's it's sad. I I then see what God says. And this is verse nine. Remember they're hiding from the presence now, because they recognize that this process indicates how you partner with the presence. So the Lord God called unto Adam. And he says, where are you? Now, some people play semantic games with this. Was this a divine hide and seek? God knew where they were. Of course he knew where they were. He wasn't asking where they were. For the first time, they did not respond to this thing that he created them to be with him. For the first time, they were not at the ready to receive him. And he went all the way through it. And they were AWOL. They weren't only AWOL. They were playing for the other team, even though they, they were in a different uniform. Where are you? Why aren't you participating in this? I think that same query, the same question, the Spirit of the Lord is asking millions of Christians today. Where are you? Why aren't you participating in this? Why aren't you listening to my voice as I appeal to you? Why aren't you seeing that I'm doing something. How can you not see it? It's all the signs are all around you. 
Why aren't you getting with it as I'm beginning this work? And why aren't you embracing my, my presence, my ways? This is interesting to me. So he says, he says, where are you? And so Adam says, let's read it just so you don't think I'm making it up. The Lord called to Adam, verse 9, and said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. And this is verse 10. You can see it for yourself. And I was afraid. This is the first issuance of fear. And I was, I knew I was naked. I heard the appeal was coming. This voice, this invitation to partner. And instead of being willing to move with you in your purpose, your agape, the passion for what you wanted to do. I was afraid and because I knew I was naked, I didn't have the covering. I didn't have the covering that was yours. I wonder if this isn't the same type of thing when Samson shook himself as he had done so many other times, but the power of God did not come upon him. That's a terrible thing. Here, perfect love casts out fear. The agape, as it's properly depicted, there's no room for fear. But without that partnership with the presence of God, fear is everywhere. Without you having a confidence that you're with him, and no matter what happens, he's going to not forsake you, not leave you, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Here, this first issuance of any type of fear in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, in the Bible itself, is applied to this. You got a lot of things that could make you fearful in these days if you let it. Good grief, there's so many things going on right now as the days become darker. You get angry, what you see, and at heart, Maybe fear enters in. You have trepidation about what does this mean? What might happen next? When do the things that are prophesied start coming in greater dimension? Fear, the antidote for fear is love. The love of God. The partnering with God. Adam became afraid First of all, it could be, you know, we get afraid because we know we did something wrong. Kids are good at that, aren't they? 
you see little kids that do something they're not supposed to do and they they think that they can make it look like they hadn't done it. I love the story that our friend Ray Hughes told us when he was here about one day he was when he was a kid he got in trouble and his mom wanted to give him a, a spanking and Ray ran and hid under the pier and beam of their porch. He hid under there because he knew his mom wouldn't go under there. Well, Ray's dad came home and his mom said, you know, Ray ran from me. He needs a spanking. He's hiding out there under the porch. And so Ray's dad got down there and crawled under the porch and Ray said, Dad, what are you doing under here? Is mom mad at you too? <laughs> Some kids, uh, we all are this way. We, we've done things wrong, and, and we think, I'm going to have to pay a price for this. But I think this was more than that in the case of Adam. I think this was more of him saying, I'm not functioning. I'm naked. I'm not covered by the presence of God. I'm not functioning in conjunction with what I know I'm supposed to be doing. I've done something wrong. I've disobeyed. I've partnered with the enemy. I have pure I have made impure something that was pure and I don't know what to do about it. Thank God the blood of Jesus, the second Adam, has cleansed us. Though our sins were scarlet, they're made as white as snow. Adam didn't have that. And he was judged. Who told you you were naked? This word told there can, can also mean the unraveling of a mystery, the, break, the breaking down of a concept. So this wasn't, you know, I don't see anywhere that the serpent said, ha ha, you don't have any clothes on, look at you. This was more about the the negotiation between the enemy and the the discussion that Adam and Eve will or, or Eve willingly participated in. Who told you about this process that brought you to this point of being naked? And I think. God is about the journey he wants us to learn. And here he's talking about this this thing. And of course, now we could talk about childbearing and the working by uh, the heat of the day and, you know, these serpents slithering on the ground now. But instead, I think we should look at something else that speaks about a process similar to this. And when Elijah in 1 Kings 19 was, um, you know this story, he was on, on the mountain and um, God had, um, God was saying all those, what doest thou here, Elijah's? Um, and this is, this is such an incredible, this is such an incredible thing that, um, I I just I just think that sometimes we miss what all 
is actually said here. Um, here in 1 Kings 19, God says, verse 11, said to Elijah, go and stand on the mount before the Lord. And first thing is, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by. Here he goes. Is very similar to um, God walking. God has already spoken to him. He's got him on the top of the, he's got him on the mount watching. And now here goes God passing by. But look look at this. A great and strong wind. This these aren't the the normal power words from the Old Testament, but it it can be you this wind was assigned and it got a grip. This this is kind of like the you know, our, our concept of making the commitment. We hear the voice, we make the commitment, and we're engaged. Um, then the seal of rock. The seal, the, the, this strong wind started breaking up the mountains and broke in pieces the seal of rock before the Lord. This is, remember the two types of the sewer rock, which was hard, solid. The seal of rock was reticulated. Remember Moses struck the hard, solid rock, and then he was to speak to the seal of rock. This lines up with um, lightning, where, where our assignment is indicated. And then there's the earthquake and um, the subsequent measure of function, what God really wanted. But God wasn't in any of those. Where was God? God was in that voice, the still small voice that at the hearing of it, Elijah wrapped his mantle or his calling or his covering around his head. And this is what God wants. And the whole reason we're looking at this today is we're talking about the presence of God, this first issuance of the presence between humans and God. And what was involved with Adam and Eve recognizing through the process that they had um, what's a good word? They had just disobeyed, but they had then ignored the presence. What would have happened, I, we don't know this, and we never will know, if when Adam and Eve, in their fancy fig aprons, when they heard the voice of the Lord, the Shema appeal, if they had run to meet God and went on their faces and said, we have sinned, forgive. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But that's not what they did. To participate in the presence of God with his face, according to his ways, how God moves from his throne, voice thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, is very similar to what he did with Elijah in 1 Kings 19 and very, very similar to what happens here in the garden when Eve is 
um, articulating this discussion with the enemy when um, she applies this progression to the tree, when God comes in to the garden, when God then appeals to the fact that they had not shown up for partnership duty, the presence would be to know that God is looking for a partner. He's looking for someone who will obey him and someone that he can commune with. That's a Shema every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Um, the voice of the Lord is progressing. It's from his heart and it's according to his ways. And it is moving. And there is a time then at the inception of the, when the Spirit says the day has begun that things need to begin to be sent forth. And the fulfillment of his purpose, the fulfillment of his ways are accomplished. And then you have the time in the evening of rest, of commune, of meditation on giving thanks, looking forward to the new, you have all of that. Elijah partnering with his ways. The enemy came. Boy, the enemy came. There was the voice of Jezebel. And that voice sent him reeling. I'm not faulting him. This was a demonic stronghold that had gripped the high places of Israel that was functioning on behalf of the anointed king of Israel and his wicked wife, the very enemy entities that were supposed to be controlling the trees and the rain and the cycle of the seasons was what he was dealing with there. So I'm not, I'm not excusing him, but I'm also giving him a little bit of leeway. And God keeps trying to cajole him into Come on, what are you doing? He said, God said to Adam, where are you? God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? <laughs> so very similar. The Lord passed by. His might and his power, the winds, this... this uh, Con convection process the strength of a storm is budding and there the wind then begins to move upon the ha the hard places of the earth and he's breaking them ma maneuvering them but but he's indicating strike points in the sealer rock and then the earthquake and fire the changing of things and function this is God's presence. And this is God's ways. And I, I think that um, when we talk about wanting the presence of the Lord, yes, all of the things that we've learned, this week we're concentrating on it. All the things we've learned about his face and commune with God and his ways and his seven spirits and, and his... Uh, uh, 
his face, the, the, the intimacy of, of knowing God, those are true. Those are, those are so vital. Creating the white light of God. All of those factors of seven are there. But how you actually operate in the midst of the presence is right here. Are we listening? Are we willing to engage in this partnership? Are, do we recognize that the voice of the Lord, the agenda of the Lord, what God has ordained, what he's spoken, what he's written, it is progressing through now. It is moving forward in the midst of his creation. And it's a beginning point, the Ruach of the day. It is the beginning point of what God wants to accomplish in this sequence. And subsequently, that covering comes upon us. And we go forth in that covering to see what God wants to have done, accomplished. Are we hiding? Or are we shining? Are we in fear? Or are we trusting his agape? You know, some, including myself, would be aghast at the prospect of partnering with the demonic. I am amazed at how so many are just openly partnering with the demonic. I'm not even sure they realize, but even if they suspect that it is, some have convinced that there is uh, themselves that there is no, there is no Satan. Evil is just a a manufactured thing to keep people in line in religion. You can do whatever you want. There's no judgment. You've heard all that? I feel sorry for those people. But some might be motivated by fear. As if God's covering is not enough for you. I suspect that just about every place we've ever gone every place in the world. Many of you who've gone there have been beset by loved ones, relatives, those close to you, telling you, oh, don't go there. Ooh, they'll take your life. If God sends you, and you better be careful to go where God sends you, you got to trust in his covering. Perfect love casts out fear. And this is what the whole business of sowing the fig leaves, you know, we went after our wisdom. This tree was to make one wise. I don't know what kind of tree it was. It doesn't say. Why would they choose fig leaves? What was the fruit there? I don't know. It wasn't an apple. I, I don't know. It may have been a fig. I, I don't know. A, a perverted fig. Um, 
Jesus cursed the fig tree. Didn't he? <laughs> so, these are questions that are fun to play around with, but they really don't matter. It's the principle here of his presence. So I declare at the conclusion of this broadcast that with all God has shown us from his scripture about his face, his presence, and how wonderful that is, maybe it's the ways of God, maybe this is Elohim, maybe the, uh, the plan of God, the fivefold directive of his mind is more aligned and akin to uh, Yahweh, Jehovah, um, whatever. It's important that we understand the principle of the seven and the principle of five. The associations of how God dissects, if he would, his person is really nonsensical. But to really partner with his presence, the Lord God was there. We have to recognize, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Here am I, send me that kind of willingness to partner with the Shema because the voice of the Lord, the plan of God, what God has written, what God has spoken is on the move. It Walking there can be used to describe the flowing of a river. It can be used to describe how a uh, something is launched and it goes forth. So walking is a convenient term, but it could mean the progression of anything. It's the beginning of the day. We're ready to be sent forward. And our covering is in God. Our, our fruit is to fulfill the one who sends us. To present ourselves a living sacrifice. To where our covering is illuminated by his the glow of the reception of our obedient sacrifice and the accomplishment of what he ordained to partner with us to do. Do you see that? So again, the presence, the first issuance of pr the presence of God with men and women and the first issuance of fear with men and women. We're in this week of asking God for his presence. It's not the same as asking for his glory. It's not the same as asking for an anointing. It's not the same as asking for a visitation. It's not the same as asking for a manifestation. This is, are you going to partner with me? Are you willing to hear and obey? Are you willing to commune with me? Are you willing to engage with what I'm doing now? Are you willing to do it in my timing, in my sequence? And are you willing to fulfill it all the way through to see what I have asked, lacking nothing? And you can say, Lord, what you've asked me to do, here it is. And he can say to you, well done. And that rejoicing is there. That's what we want. So part of this prayer for the presence is, yes, an appeal for him to come, of course. 
but it cannot be separated from our willingness to devote ourselves to this process and for other saints to devote themselves to this process without fear and that we might be able to to demonstrate this, to teach this, to make disciples so that the people where we're going in crucial parts of the world can also fulfill this. Well, thanks for going on this journey through the Bible with me. This is Bible study. This is prayer and Bible study, isn't it? We're praying tonight at 6. Um, I'm grateful that this group of saints can study the Word together, and it doesn't have to be made in 10 minutes with a lollipop at the end in 3. Take the lollipop. Unwrap the lollipop. Lick the lollipop. Smile that God gave you a lollipop. I'm glad that we moved past that. Um, and you can actually go into the meat of the word, but also be willing to partner with God. Okay, thank you. Um, we'll look forward to praying with you later today. And, um, and if you hear this broadcast on Archive on Thursday or Friday, pray then right at the end of the broadcast and God is with you thanks so much let's enjoy him goodbye